Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! For the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosovich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 here on Soonerscoop.com. Carrie Murdoch, along with Josh McQuistian and Edward Radosovich is uh, the Sooners getting ready for their final uh, Big 12 matchup in basketball. Baseball is underway. Uh, still a week away from spring football getting going. But, uh, boys, welcome back to the show once again. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I would never have thought on uh, March 1st that I would say 65% of the Oklahoma basketball fan base is just ready to say, Screw this, this team! Get this thing over, over with. with. Yeah, let's let's just have two more games and call it a, call it a year. It is unbelievable uh, how bad this team has gotten. Like anything that once was good with this team, it it's all gone to hell. Yeah, Brady Manick gone to hell. He at least I don't think Kadeem Latin was ever good this year. No, he's he could be one of the softest players to ever play at the University of Oklahoma. You believe? Yeah, you you're not happy. I would say Kadeem Latin is number one on your list of uh, complaints. Well, it just all stems from him being soft, and I think that if you're going to have a senior, uh, him being the only senior on the team, you need some type of leadership, and you're just not going to get it out of a guy like him because uh, I, I've said it before. He's he's just a very soft basketball player. So I think that his kind of his attitude has resonated throughout the entire team, and uh, they are. It is tough to watch, uh, and especially on the road. I, I think that two weeks ago in Lawrence was a low point for the basketball program. Not just the Long Kruger era, like the whole entire thing. Uh, Tuesday night might have taken the cake, though. That was... The loss at Baylor. Yeah, the the first half of that game was probably... Gary, I, I think it was one of the worst halves in OU basketball history. It was bad. Um, they, no defense. The no, offense was putrid. And that's the thing. Like, last year, they were shitty, but they at least gave effort. Tuesday night, I didn't see any effort. And the the real question is why? Like, is it and whose fault is it? Is this a everybody Trey Young thing? Is this a Lon Kruger thing? Is this just everybody else thing? I think it's everybody involved. And and the way that they've collapsed in the month of February, going what was it one and eight or one and seven? I think that there's a I I I don't have any examples or any evidence. 
to lead me to this decision, but I have to think that there are some type of issues inside the locker room, whether it be jealousy with Trey, uh, whether it being Trey pissing off all of his other teammates, or just the fact that Trey's not surrounded by very many good players. I mean, not good players, but just he's not surrounded by a lot of uh, good pieces, I guess would, would be the best way to, or the nicest way to put it. I think you have to say that the, it's the the mental toughness of this team is terrible. I oh, mean, it's, it's just, as, just go just go by their road record. Yeah, I mean, very first game, first road game in conference, you win it. Haven't won since, even at Iowa State, where you had a shot. Then you get your doors blown off in Lawrence and in Baylor. It's just gotten worse as the season's gone. Like there have been, I, I, Oklahoma State, you had a shot. Of course, that was, I don't know. Like you said. I feel like that's the night that everything changed. Trey Young says all the right things, but you wonder behind the scene, is he, is he, uh, you know, does he, is he, a, is he a divisive figure? Yeah. Well, I, it's interesting, you know, and look back at the Oklahoma State game. What was outside of the 40 shots that he took? What was the, the other biggest thing? Was him not diving on the floor? Uh, that kind of changed the momentum in the second half there when Oklahoma State was able to come and back not and fouling at the end and not fouling at the end, just the little things. And I, you know, there was a there was a report out today from uh, Real GM. Uh, it's a Twitter account that I follow. They send out NBA basketball stuff, and it was just interesting that uh, there's some league executives and some scouts that are speculating Young is quote coasting at this point of the season, wanting to avoid expending too much energy to risk injury. Uh, Young has been particularly lackluster on defense. Scouts split on whether they prefer Young or Colin Sexton, obviously the uh, freshman out of Alabama. Uh, but with all that said, <laughs> it does end uh, the report by saying neither player is expected to fall out of the top 10. So I I don't know. It's interesting. I, I thought our roundtable was pretty good between us two and uh, Bob just talking about where he stands in, uh, in, in OU, uh, in the annals of OU lore, I guess. But Anybody that's out there saying that he's not a top 10 player of all time, I think you're an idiot. Even top five. I think he's definitely in there. I think you can argue him outside of the top five. <sighs> I, I, Wayman, I, Wayman, Alvin Adams, Blake Griffin, Buddy Heald, and I, like I said, Stacey King does not get enough credit yeah. for how good he truly was. See, I... Just from my perspective, I don't even, and I, I know this will piss off a lot of people, but I don't ever remember watching Wayman Tisdo play. Like, I was one when he yeah. was at OU, so I, I don't even, like, for me, well, it's, I do. It's, I mean, it's I, Buddy I, Blake. I've seen them all. Right. For me, it's Buddy Blake. Well, I haven't seen Trey. Alvin Adams. Buddy Blake, Trey. I think Hollis Price could probably be in there. Obviously, uh Look, Hollis Price Tisdale. doesn't, Hollis Price isn't even in that discussion of top five. For me, he is. He was a good player. That's because you saw it, but he's, I'm telling you, I've seen them all. No. He got to a Final Four. I think winning is part of it. Trey's definitely in there. Hey, Josh. So, I'm going to bring myself in here, yeah. Uh, with, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that if you didn't see them, they don't count. That's what is Eddie that, is basically a, said. I can't yeah. speak to that. Yeah. Or is that a? I I just didn't see them, so I'm no, going to go I, off what I. Know. I definitely think Wayman Tisdale is in there. I'm not saying that. Okay, I got you. I'm I, not, I'm I'm not like, saying wow, that. This, this that's that's going to be interesting. I'd like to see where. 
I mean, because if you then you get into the football side of it, and then it really gets interesting. So, well, and I think that at the at the basis of this, I would also add that I think that comparing, I I've, I've always been one that feels like the comparison of players from like past decades, yeah, is, it just never really works. It, but Wayman Tisdale played basketball in in the Michael Jordan when Michael Jordan was around, and I mean, are you going to say that Michael Jordan? In his style of basketball, wouldn't work today. No, not at all. So it's not like it's ancient history. No, no, it's no, not no. like it's it's not like you're talking about Wilt Chamberlain or no, Bill not Russell. At all. Not at all. I just think it's. I think we're caught up in the Trey Young hasn't done anything, Eddie, except be you except, know, be hyped except, up. Do, except do everything or stuff that nobody's ever done in the game of college basketball. Lead, lead. How many teams have has somebody been on as a freshman? Wayman Tisdale might be the only example I can think of that has been allowed to have the numbers that this kid has. He's not doing it within the context of a system with you know sharing the basketball with four other people. He's he, he's leading the country in assist, and he dominate. I don't know what usage rate is, or if they follow that in college, right? But I would say his usage rate. Oh, it's, is it's, the highest it's ever been oh, as well. It's skyrocket. It's very high. If they had a usage rate for Mookie Blaylock versus Trey Young or even Hollis Price, Hollis Price would be closer. But Trey Young has been given these stats too. I don't know that he's earned any of. I mean, he's earned them, but he hasn't earned. Uh, he hasn't earned it like a, a, a Wayman Tisdale did. I don't know about that. Or even a Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, I mean, forget Wayman Tisdale. Let's talk about Blake Griffin versus Trey Young. Blake Griffin, what kind of team did he have around him? It was pretty shitty. I think Tony those, Crocker. I think those guys were probably better than what Trey has. Is that crazy? I don't know that they were. And Comparable? they went to the Elite Eight. Well, Comparable? Le Kerry, who's who's even close to the talent that is Willie Warren on this team? I would I say that Warren I would say that I would did, say production-wise, that Christian James produces about like Willie Warren did, and you can even argue that they had no Brady Manic slash Christian James. Well, this team definitely doesn't have Kate Davis. <laughs> <laughs> See, Cade Davis. Cade Davis is a good would, college player. He would he would make very little difference on this team. D D no, Cade Davis would definitely. What was his three point percentage? Uh, let's see here. I mean, he Cade Davis at least. I've got to go look up. He's made a shit ton of money overseas, by the way. Two thousand and nine, two thousand eight, yeah, two thousand nine. Let's see here. Cade Davis was a the almost thirty five percent three point shooter in oh eight oh nine. In college, that's not so great. It's not bad, but would you... I mean, do you feel like that guy... Let's see, what was... Okay, he had... he. Well, I mean, I guess as a sophomore, he was only putting up five per game. He wasn't even a starter on that team. Yeah. He got one start that year, according to Sooner Sports. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that now. Yeah. Yeah, you had... Okay, Blake Griffin... I like Taylor Griffin as a college player. Yeah. Hey, but but Ta Taylor Griffin is just an average player. Taylor, I mean, Taylor Griffin would be the toughest son of a bitch on that team. Yeah. On this team. Oh, by a mile. But still, 
you're talking about a guy. I don't have his averages here. But Blake Griffin, Willie Warren. Willie Warren, very highly rated. Averaged 14 points a game. 2.2 rebounds, 3 assists. Tony Crocker was a junior on that team. He had Taylor Griffin, he had Austin Johnson, a senior guard. Cade Davis. And, I mean, that's, let's see, what's that? That's three, four, five, six players that you've ever heard of. Then it's a bunch of people you've never heard of. Juan Patillo, Omar Leary, Ryan Wright, Ray Willis, Orlando Allen, Kyle Cannon, Bo Gerber, TJ Franklin. I remember Bo Bo Gerber Gerber as TJ Franklin. Those are walk-ons. I mean, there's that that team went to an elite eight, Eddie. Yeah, and Blake Griffin was the first pick in the draft. They just happened to run into one of the better college teams, and they should have gone to the final four. Yeah, they should have gone to the final four. If they had to be matched up against North Carolina. That team was unbelievable. But, yeah, I mean, they needed Tony Crocker to play his ass off that year. Tony Crocker had nine, what was it, nine threes against Syracuse in the Sweet 16? I'm looking at three-point percentages. Like, Tony Crocker was 35%. Willie Warren was 37%. Blake Griffin had the highest three-point percentage on the team. Blake Griffin had the highest three-point percentage on the team, and he he took less than uh, he took less than point two a game. I lean toward 0809 being better, but the counter to that argument is Austin Johnson was a starter on that team. He was really good his senior year. Oh. That's that's one of my guys. Like as Eddie has Kadeem Latin, Austin Johnson's one of mine. Like without I Austin just, Johnson, they don't they don't sniff the Elite Eight. Mm. No, without Blake Griffin, they don't sniff the Elite Eight. Correct. But they I mean Austin Johnson had a really good senior year. Uh, eight point six points a game. That's a that's a bench role player. I mean, I'm not even Should looking be. at I'm not even looking at the stats for this year's team. I mean, what's the what's the what's the three point percent three point shooting percentage for this for these guys across the board for OU overall this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going right now. They're shooting. I'm gonna guess. Okay, here it is. 36, uh, 36.8. Trey so. Young shooting thirty, almost 37%. They're almost 37%. Christian James is 38%. Brady Manick is... All these guys shooting better three-point percentage than any player did. Because they shoot a lot more, I'm guessing. They've shot 763s this year. Look, Kelvin Sampson's team shot a shit ton of threes, too. I mean, there were there were games where that's all they did. They won or lost games because of threes. I just, I just think that we've gotten caught up in this last month, and I think as time goes on, I mean, it's hard not to respect what Trey Young has done as a freshman. I'm not trying to shit on him. I'm just saying he doesn't deserve to be mentioned with guys that took teams to Final Fours and Elite Eights. He's not there's there's a category at top, a top that have those guys in it 
or that we're all Americans consensus. And he's going to be just beyond that because his team isn't doing anything. No, it's. I mean, there's still a chance that we're talking about a kid who played for a team, dominated the team, had every chance to win or lose games for a team, and his team might not make the NCAA tournament if they lose their last two games. Oh yeah, I, that I yeah, absolutely. I just don't think that. I think that we've gotten caught up in the losses and. But he's also been implicit in a bunch of those losses as well. So I understand where you but guys you, are. But you've been to every from. game. I mean, this is not fun to watch this team. They're terrible. Well, that's mostly because I think that they're all soft. <laughs> and I use a different word off air. I know. Like everybody can guess what that is. It starts with a P. I, I was just guessing there was a different adjective to describe how soft they were. It's just. I thought that just got added in there. It is. This whole season has been. I don't even know if roller coaster is the right way to say it. Because it has been something that I. Just from a day in, day out, it's been a beating almost. If it's a roller coaster, it's the flashback. It was all going forward. It hit a point, and then it just all went in the dead wrong direction. Yeah, because like, there hasn't been ups and downs. It's been either good or bad, and there's been no in between. It's like one of those, yeah, and it's like one of those Six Flag rides that there's been a fatality too. It needs to be closed down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, yes, yeah, a kid fell. Someone off. fell like, off the mini Minecraft. Dangerous. Yep. It's just mm. I don't know I. And you know what? You know what's really effed up? They could still. I don't know. I don't know if make a run don't is the right it. word. Don't do it. They Come can win on. some. Ga- they can win a game in the NCAA tournament. Is that crazy? I don't think it's crazy. No, I mean if a team comes out, do just I think that Trey Young, you know, run up and down the right. floor on him and and doesn't guard the three point line? I will say the NCAA tournament's usually called a little bit differently. He's going to get some star treatment. That, that happens if they make it. I think it. I, if they win on Friday, I mean tomorrow they're in. Yeah. I mean if they beat Iowa State at home, if they don't, they shouldn't even go up to the Big Twelve tournament next week. Iowa State is a bad basketball team that has already beat them. Yeah. Well, if, now they're down to like six scholarship players now versus the Iowa last State. time they played them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can't if you can't pick yourself off the floor after getting your just tail kicked in Waco on Tuesday then it it kind of reignites everything I think about this team as far as them having serious, serious locker room issues. I mean, they, they, they're head cases. They're all a bunch of head... Even Trey Young. Yeah. He's a head case now. Absolutely. He's been broken. There's no doubt about that. So it's not fun. It's not fun to watch. <laughs> no. It's not fun to cover. Uh, it's not fun to talk about. It really isn't. So shall we move on? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so football's coming up. Um, we're, we're a week away. Uh, March 10th is when they're going to start. Uh, Kyler Murray's out playing baseball. Has he got two home runs now? Yeah, two in the last three games. And is he starting in left field now? Center field, yeah. Center he, field? Started, he started the last four games. So he is uh, he is entrenched with the baseball program. Yeah, he. I mean, he is a everyday starter for this team. He's having a good season. Nine mm. games old, but I don't know if well. that's the best thing. 
I'm telling you, I I think he's a really good baseball player. Like he is swinging the bat very well. Early. Well, I think we've all said like it's not fair to judge a guy that's trying to do both. Right. And he's being able to settle into baseball right now. He's probably not even thinking about football. And I think I wonder how much is he going to think about football when it's when spring football is here if he is doing well in baseball. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I, I I don't think it's that big of a deal just with him. He's going to be around the football program during spring football. I just I don't understand the people that are out just almost upset that he's playing baseball. Like, he needs to be there every day. I might be one of those people. Really? I mean, he's going to be the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. So, or he's or he, or or he's not. Right. It's not like he's a slot receiver. Yeah. But I, and he's working with a bunch of guys that he hasn't worked that much with. But he has. How? Like running scout team? Does he not go to any of the throwing sessions that they had? I'm not saying that he hasn't, but do we do we deny that probably a big part of Baker Mayfield's success was his cohesion with those guys? No doubt. No doubt. I well, mean, we can certainly I mean, ask people, like, you know, I'm sure Austin Kendall would probably tell us, hey, how does Kyler out there whenever you guys are doing stuff? He'd probably, if he's not, he'd probably say, no, we don't see him very much. Be kind of like that hypo quote that just came out about, have you uh, talked to Bob Stoops since you became head that. coach at UCF? He's like, no, not, no, I haven't. That was kind of weird. It's still kind of weird seeing. saw that they like put out a video yesterday of like their off-season program. It's just still kind of weird that. Josh Heupel's the head coach at Central Florida. Although Bob is not really like the touchy-feely, reach-out kind of... Yeah, I don't see him spending a week in Orlando to help. Let's get this program run off the ground. I mean, they're coming off of a national I mean, I championship think, I think season. he, you know, maybe that's what that's what needs to happen is Bob just needs to go out there during their spring practice and spend some time with Josh. Where's Batman uniform out there? Stop it. I brought it back. <laughs> brought it to you, Josh. Uh, I just I I get what's so bizarre is Heupel is running Baylor's offense, the Art Briles offense. Jeff Levy, he's out there. Finally, he'll finally be on uh, the right sideline. Well, Kendall is at Houston. By the way, quick, 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 uh, backwards movement here. How about the possibility of Oklahoma playing Houston? In the NCAA tournament. Oh, you want to talk about a team that would get their ass kicked physically. <laughs> I think Kelvin, I hope Kelvin Sampson wears the... Heart uh, Hustle and Hardwood will come for the crown. Oh, he better wear the jean jean shirt, too. Or the denim the chambray. shirt. Chambray. Yeah, chambray. It's, That's yeah, what it's called? Chambray. That'd be funny if he did. How old were you when Kelvin left? What year was it? 06, something like that. I would have been a senior in high school. Oh, okay. So you were well-versed in the Kelvin years. I love Kelvin Sampson to this day. Tendered his basketball camps. Did you really? Oh, yeah. How many MVPs, Eddie? You know, Josh, <laughs> you got robbed. There, weren't, there weren't too many MVPs given to me in basketball or any sport, really, but it was fun. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm with you there, Eddie. That that was the one sport that I was like, 
Yeah, I don't even as a eight year old, I'm not going to delude myself that I, there will ever be a future in this sport. So, does Ryan Hibble have a golf camp in the summer? I think he does. I think he does. If you summer you know, summer content story, you want to send me? <laughs> I think you, I think you're you're disqualified. I don't know that like you to. You have to be part of that Sooners in the Desert. You have to like get a bunch of money and donate it. They just that's had the that. only fantasy camp you're going to. Didn't they just have that? Yeah. It was. It's been pretty recently. Yeah, it was like last weekend, I think. So anyway, okay, I sidetracked us going back. We were talking about Houston came up because that's where Kendall Bryles is, uh, but we talked about this in the in the roundtable a little bit in the article we put out. Like what could OU do to help this thing out? I don't. I I think this. There's a big part of me. I mean, I put a bunch of ideas in there. One of them was have a Mike Stoops dunk tank. <laughs> uh, there's a big part of me that feels like no matter what they do, they're not going to get eighty thousand. Just OU fans are just not conditioned. Like Nebraska, did you see? Like they have tickets going on the secondary market for hundreds of dollars to their spring game. That's just insane to me. Like that's a they've just they've always had that culture of selling out their spring game. Well, there's and there's I mean it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a slide at Lincoln, Nebraska, yeah. but what else are you gonna do on a Saturday up there? Ohio State does the same thing, Alabama does the same thing. Texas A and M does the same thing. They don't sell out the spring game. I think they do, do they? sometimes, yeah. I I mean, but that's more of a meeting of a cult than it is going yeah. to a spring game. Well, they get like 50,000 to show up at that yell practice thing. Yeah. I just, I I think that, and it'll never happen, but you need to make it as close to a party as possible. Screw the family atmosphere. You want beer. I want beer. I want, I want it all. I want it to be a day party. A darty? A darty. And if you don't know that phrase, you've never been invited to one. It's kind of like a ZJ. If you have to ask about it, you probably can't afford it. I don't know what a ZJ is. It's a little Super Troopers and all the uh, humor. Okay. I've literally seen that once, and I probably rewound the meow game about 50 times. <laughs> that will do it. And the, well, and the restaurant scene where, he, where be, Farver jumps over the counter. Oh, yeah. That's genius. Uh that's actually from Beer Fest, but the same guys. Oh, that's ZJ right. That's is from right. Beer Fest? Okay, well, ZJ now I don't feel Fest. like I didn't thoroughly yeah. watch that yeah, movie. Yeah, you didn't miss it from Super Troopers. I'm, uh, uh, I I'm a little see, sadly obsessed with it. I could Troopers. see that being right down Josh's weird, quirky oh, yeah. comedy alley. Yep. Pretty that's, funny. That's, that's in the old Greg territory. I think those guys sure. are pretty funny. Super Troopers is something where I actually own the DVD. <laughs> this was before the Blu-ray, and I own it on my Apple TV because I'm just sometimes I'm like I don't want to get up and go find my DVD. I'm just going to put it on Apple TV. I don't want to mess with it. So I have very few Apple TV movies. I, I've moved that way in the last like probably eighteen months. Like I I had none, and then I bought one or two, and then that's pretty much the only way I buy DVDs anymore. I can't, or, you know, I, Blu-rays, whatever. I cataloged it. I have like 450 Blu-rays. Blu-rays? Wow. That's no. A lot. 
I'd bet I have 50 or 60 then, but if you add in all the DVDs from, you know, being in college and being a younger guy, I'm probably pushing into the 200s on that, but just, I, and some of them I need to start getting rid of. Cause like I said, I've overlapped on a bunch of them and I just don't need them anymore. They just take up space. Oh, I have a bunch of Blu-rays that have never been opened. Like <laughs> I have the Martian because it, I never opened it in time to watch it before it came on HBO. Uh, I have Baby Driver sitting in a chair in the other room, I know. Didn't like. Still haven't watched it. I have Creed sitting in the wrapper because I saw it on HBO. Creed was great. You want to know how uh, many DVDs I own? Zero. I think I have one, and it's not even in like the DVD case. It's Orange County that I stole from my buddy in, in college. Jack Black and... <laughs> Orange County is probably one of my favorite movies. It's a good movie. Orange County's funny. It's, it's a, a good, good movie. movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's quality. See, and I'm like, it's the same deal with like music. People are like, well, you could just use Spotify or whatever. I want to own the music. Like, I buy on iTunes or I buy wherever because I want to actually own the track. I don't like the idea of like I have it and then I don't once I'm not a member anymore. I don't like that at all. I think in the car iTunes music sounds better than streaming music. And I don't know why that is. Hmm. But I think, it to me, it sounds a little better. The artists appreciate it. Actually buying the music. Right? I'm an owner. Well, I have everyone beat because I pay $30 for my albums on vinyl. Yeah, you're a crazy person. <laughs> vinyl is really expensive. Don't do it. You know what I spend my, my vinyl money on, Carrie? Babies, poop, diapers, and butt wipes. So hey, you're that, the one that you know impregnated your wife. Don't oh, complain no, to no. us. That choice, that that choice is mine alone. But that that is someday, someday there'll be money in my hand again. I'm just well. Sure plus, you spend a thousand dollars a week on gas. Well, yeah. For the F nine fifty, we actually just have a Conoco truck stop by and fill up the tank. Like, just stop by and fill up a large like, tank in the back of the house. Is it? Is it like the way that planes refuel in air? Like a guy just <laughs> pulls up next to you and I I forty five or air dock it, it. Well, we burn way too much gas just turning the ignition, so it's better just to leave it running and let the you know truck fill us up as we move. So it's just it's actually better for the uh, environment. Do you so worry that's, that's that like your daughters are going to end up dating like just big old country dudes because their daddy drove them around in a giant dually <laughs> their entire lives? Like they're you know, just going to be attracted to people who bay hail hay bale. Whatever that is. Like have that fork on the back of their truck that can just pick up the hay bale and roll with it. Cattle guard, cattle grill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, honestly, like the area we live in in Houston, there's a decent chance they're going to end up with nerds. Um, We live near NASA, and like a lot of people in our neighborhood are NASA people. So there's a whole bunch of their kids that will go to school with Lainey and Layla and you know, I, there's worse fates. I mean, you know, so I, I think it's going to be okay. But I, I would be very surprised, basically, because I know her mother and her and my mother-in-law, and they. I mean, Lainey's one of those girls that, like, if she stumbles a little bit, she cries. Like there is no toughness in her. There is no like the. They are girly girls to the max, and I just don't see them staying with. Um, 
some hayseed farmer. So, do you ever go to no your, offense to the hayseed farmers out there? <laughs> you ever go to, to your next door neighbors and ask them to maybe take you and see the soundstage that they work at? No, um, now I've told you guys literally the guy who lives across the street from me has walked in space like three different times. <laughs> he's told, he's, like, he's, he's told direct, you that, right? No, I like he's on. Like, you can find that. him on Wikipedia. Like he's a real dude. Because the internet has told us that all these people are going to space. Eddie, Eddie. <laughs> you know, I never even thought about this, Eddie. We're gonna come down. We're gonna bring this guy on the podcast with me. We're gonna do a live from Ooh, Houston. Ooh, I like it. And let Eddie try to debunk space. I like how I like how Josh has admitted he's never leaving Houston, so he's always going to be outside of the action. You're never going to be you're never going to be embedded in the middle of the action. Yeah, you know it's 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 tough because you know you go see Calvin Anderson in person, or you know I can drive about 15 minutes and go see you know OU's latest commitment. It's tough being in Houston where OU makes 30 offers a year. It's it's really because I mean in Oklahoma it's at least you know five in any given year. So or you know in this year's case one, two, two. So that's I I hate being in Houston, but for work it's not the worst thing ever. You know what's interesting? Like we got the rivals camps coming up in Dallas and Houston. Uh, the opening announced that they're going to have the opening at Jerry World, or not at the Star in Frisco, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, rivals, we haven't we haven't made plans for where our five star is going to be. I I don't want to divulge internal discussions on that. Um, and then, you know, Bob's on board now. And so Bob is used to going. And what's funny is I had a discussion with Bob the other day. Like, he's used to going to the opening regionals. Uh, and, like, I think he really feels like since he didn't get to go to Under Armour stuff when he was with Rivals, like, he really wants to go to Under Armour stuff. No, oh, like the upcoming stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much getting ready to happen. March is a busy month. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be like, nuts. You would think that it's not. Just because there's really not much going on, but spring football. Uh, and what's going to be fascinating? What's going to be fascinating, Josh, about this stuff is, uh, and by the way, I know people are enjoying the roundtable, uh, and I hinted at this with the last one, uh, but Josh and Bob have talked about doing a recruiting roundtable, and I kind of just send them questions every once in a while. Here's here's what I think will be a good question, Josh: is how much are camps going to be affected by these early official visits? Because you're going to have some kids uh, that that are not going to be available to go to camps because they want to go on official visits this time of year. Well, it's going to be really interesting because I think that it's going to work differently than some people expect. I think in some cases... Kids are going to choose to go to the opening event because they want to go to the opening um, rather than go on an official visit they can take another weekend. Yeah. So I, I think that there's going to be some – I think you're exactly right, Kerry. I think that will happen. But I think people just expecting, oh, they're going to choose the official visit. I don't think that's the case because there are – like a kid from Dallas that maybe doesn't have a lot of means, he can take the flight to you know Oklahoma City or – Tuscaloosa or whatever, any weekend that's available, he can only make it to that one opening event that one weekend. And I'm going to guess because the opening has such a 
uh, it's so revered by the kids that I, I think in a lot of cases that's going to supersede. And I don't think it's going to end up making any real difference because, like I said, there's still plenty of weekends to choose from, both for the school and the kid. But, I, I, I mean, there's no question it's going to have a role because, you know, if Oklahoma does their spring game the weekend of – you know, uh, let's say the Dallas opening event, that's going to hurt OU. Like, that, that's going to yeah. have an effect. So OU is going to have to think about that. And, and you know, not just OU, but like anybody, any major program with that, when they're going to have a lot of guests from that school. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, Or from that region, I'm sorry. God, I'm all tangled up. Because as we're finding out with 7-on-7, seven seven, and it's kind of, you know, make it a little bit of a mess we talked about that was another roundtable subject is the cheating. And I know Eddie and Bob both kind of went off on the seven on seven and how that's opening the doors for, for cheating and things like that uh, in, in third parties. But what we're finding out is that like kids, anytime they can be on a football field, no matter what it is, they want to be on a football field, which is a great thing. Like, I don't think that that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just, it gives people an opportunity to take advantage of that. Right. The problem is, is the model for seven on seven is exactly like what they are fighting against in AAU right now. And I don't know why the NCAA can't say, uh, okay, this is a problem. We're going to have to deal with this before it gets to where the AAU now is, which is almost too big for the NCAA to do anything about it. I mean, there's just too much money. There's too much connection to the shoe companies and all these street runners, all these other guys. And don't get me wrong, there are some seven-on-seven guys out there that legitimately just want to do good things for their kids. The problem is, they are the exception. They're not the norm. You look at some of the stuff that you see going on in Texas right now with some of the affiliations to different universities and coaches' kids getting involved with certain things. Like it, It's really hard to feel like, yeah, that's on the up. That, that all seems like that's right where it should be. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I really, really, really don't think I am. I, but, you know, that, that, it's just the way this is. And it's, like I said, I don't understand why you can complain about this one thing. And clearly, at some point, the NCAA is going to have to address all this stuff that's going on with the FBI. Like, they're going to have to get more involved and start laying down their own law and doing some things after this investigation's over. But why would you not stop something else that's in its infancy? Mm exactly because because you don't understand it you don't really you're not you don't have anybody that can tell you this is a problem like it's it's it it's almost like they're so big and so bloated that they can't recognize a problem until it's already a problem that's that's the thing it's like you know all this stuff comes out with college basketball and ncaa comes out like like they're like it's it's like a surprise to them when literally anybody that has covered the sport or knows anything about college basketball knew that shady stuff is going on in the AAU programs. I just don't understand it. I I think Mark Emmert's an idiot. You, you know part of the problem, though, too, guys? The people who are connected to the NCAA, who are directly involved in this, that could help the NCAA fix this problem, are the coaches. Yeah. And they don't want to do it. Well, that and that's part of it is because I think what we we have all found out over the last six months to a year, there was a lot of coaches that were complicit in it. And that's what I said. The people, the people 
and this was kind of my point in the roundtable, unless the NCAA wants to have, uh, you know, appointed uh, compliance officers that work for the NCAA embedded at each school, they're going to have widespread cheating. Because when you tell a school you're in charge of determining whether you're cheating or not, you leave yourself wide open to schools just saying, yeah, we're not going to catch anything. Yeah. Do what you want. We're not going to turn ourselves in. And the risk in that is if the NCAA finds out and you haven't done anything, then you you just get whacked across the board. But as long as you're finding all these little secondary violations and it looks like you're, you know, you're, you're somewhat, I mean, you can scam the system easily. Ole Miss has scammed the system. And there's a, I mean, if you're telling me that Auburn has never done anything wrong, that all these schools in the SEC, particularly LSU, has never done anything wrong, <laughs> I don't believe you. Yeah. I think you're just being naive. Because basically the schools that choose to take it seriously are at a competitive disadvantage. And everybody, everybody's like, just everybody can say, well, they're cheating, we're going to cheat too. They can justify it. Well, and there's always that unwritten code, I think, in the SEC is that don't turn this school in because... You know, you just you open up a Pandora's box pretty much of if you if one school turns another school in, it's just going to be a trickle down effect and everybody's screwed. Exactly. Everybody's got dirt on everybody else. And some schools cheat and they're like, OK, they offer a kid something and they still don't get them. They're like, well, we didn't pay him enough. Like, yeah. So they it just validates that other people are cheating. So let's keep cheating. What did uh, what, what what did Chris Dawkins call him? Bad loans. Yeah, when he wouldn't when he'd give people money and then not end up getting them. Yeah, that was what they'd written down. Yeah, on that uh, sheet that Pat Forty had. I just I, it it's only going to get worse before it gets better. I don't think that college football hasn't even come close to bottom bottoming out. But I think the seven on seven stuff, as you said, Josh. I mean, it's it's not good. I don't think it's, it's coming. Good. I mean it that. I remember a time when I was like, I can't even imagine trying to cover college basketball, and more and more, it's becoming that way. Yeah. You talk to high school coaches, and they're like, yeah, I don't, like, they used to be the guy to talk to, or dad, or who, you know, someone, but now, half the time, it's a trainer, or a seven-on-seven guy, or someone else, and you're just like, I I don't know what your motives are. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're about. And it's tricky because, A, I want to provide the information, but at the same time, I don't want to further give this guy voice and he pollutes some other kid if he's a piece of garbage. And what's it What's it for, these seven-on-seven seven stuff? Like, I don't understand. I understand the end game. It's making money, making money yep. off these kids. But yeah. to win a, a summer a seven-on-seven seven tournament in the middle of July, like – who gives well, a shit? 12, there's 12 people there that are going to be really excited. And their names are mom and dad and mom and dad. Yeah. So I just, I, it's, in a way, offensive linemen and defensive linemen are getting out of this kind of, uh, Scott free, kind of Scott free a little bit. It's, it's the skill position players. Well, I, and I've said it for years. I think it's hurt football. Yeah. I think when you get 
team, if you give your quarterbacks and receivers an extra three months to work together and spend time together, Kyler Murray, yeah, I'll work that back in there. Um, if you give those guys that extra time, well, why wouldn't you throw the ball more when the season comes around? You're going to be more versed and more ready to handle that than, well, we're going to run power I. So, uh, and, and it's the same reason that Katie is a nuke to the whole system every year because they play a style that no one else is ready to deal with. Well, look at how good Alito is. Yeah. Another, I mean. They're basically they running a wishbone bit, almost. But they're, they're far from a, a, a pass-heavy team, you know. And, and you look at when they face teams like that, they usually just kick them in the dirt. And is it any wonder that we don't see many middle linebackers anymore? Well, they're all 6'2 and 210. Yeah, I mean, but they're like run-stopping middle linebacker, like Mike's, oh, yeah, like legitimate guys. Mike's. Like those guys barely exist anymore. They do. And I mean, and to be fair, some of that's just the way the game has gone because the 6'2, 230-pound, the Dane Zaslaw, he'd die in the Big 12. I mean, that, that, that guy just wouldn't work. Sorry, Dane. I, I, I don't Rest mean that peace. as a I, Dane. This I love mine. Dane. I covered Sorry, it, Dane. but uh, it's just, <laughs> it is what it is. Those guys, you know who that guy is? That's Ricky DeBerry. Yeah. Guy, he can't move. He can't move like he needs to. So that's that's why you get all these converted safeties. How about the poster on the board that uh, picked DeBerry up to take him to the airport? What? Did you see that? He, oh, did no. you not see that? He took, uh, he, he drives an Uber and uh, picked oh, DeBerry okay. up. okay. It wasn't like took he took a visit to, was it DM'd South Florida, Josh? Said I could give you a ride. Yeah, yeah. He went, he went, went to visit South Florida. That is I totally missed that, that might be that that is close to more impressive than the guy that uh that found Benny Wiley at Embassy Suites. Yeah. That's right on par. Good work. Did he take any pictures? I don't think so. But he said to Barry was real open with, you know, just talked to him and acted like, you know, just kind of told him whatever he asked. So it's uh you know that this is how that news moves sometimes. Rick that's how you a find good that stuff kid, out. man. I mean, it's. I mean, he would. To- I could totally see him just answering questions like totally honestly and openly. It just didn't work out. I mean, it it happens. He's gonna. It sounds like he's gonna get his degree. I mean, can't fault him for that. No, I'm happy for him. Oh, I think both parties needed to move on. Yeah, he needs to find a place he can play football somewhere. Absolutely. Um. Okay. So, Josh, any any recruiting activity going on before uh, the big spring? I I would just assume a lot of kids will be coming in and out of practices uh, when they get started. Yeah, th- there's not going to be until probably until the spring game. You're not going to have another real concentrated effort of guys because obviously the coaches are focused on spring practices and getting their guys ready and that kind of thing. But now, a- as our guy Bob reported, um. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Seth McGowan, the running back, the 2020 guy from Mesquite Poteet that Oklahoma has already offered, uh, he'll be in Norman this weekend. And he's there are several really big time backs in the state of Texas in that class. Obviously, Oklahoma already has Jason McClellan committed. Uh, I think Zach Evans, uh, uh, Zach, uh, uh, the running back from North Shore uh, in the Houston area, he is a guy that. I think has five-star potential. He is a really special dude. McGowan's a big-time guy. There are a lot of – so I know there's a lot of talk of McClellan looking around. You know, he took a trip to Texas. He's been to Georgia. 
uh, picked up some new offers. I, I think everyone is is understandably a little concerned about his commitment, and I think whether he decommits or not, he's clearly going to take a look at some other schools and t- see what's out there. He's a but sophomore. there are some good I mean, options for Oklahoma out there. I mean, when uh, the, if anybody saw that commitment and thought, we got him, like, no. I don't think any... Uh, t- how many decommitments have there been in the 2019 class for OU? I mean, since last summer. So like, you've got Derek Green just this week. You had, had R.J. Henderson, Henderson, Theo Weiss. Is there somebody else I'm forgetting? I feel like there is. Hmm. I'm just trying yeah. to rack through my brain real quick. I So three. Three for sure. Um, But, I mean, and that's just, that's the way I think people, Oklahoma fans keep saying, oh, there's this rash. If you got... 10 commitments from elite guys, you know, two years ahead of time, and you hung on to, let's say, six of them. Jeffrey Carter. That's awesome. Yeah, Jeff Carter. There we go. There, I knew that. Wow, it's really bad that we were just talking about Alito and, and Jace McClellan, but whatever. Um, but, I mean, if, you, if you're going to go after those elite guys and you're going to miss – if you're going to keep 60% of them from two years out, that's not bad. That's okay. You can live with that. And especially with when it looks like Henderson and Weiss, as of this moment, look like they're going to end up back with Oklahoma. So that's, that's I mean, that's just the way recruiting is now. These kids are going to commit to whatever they first kind of fall in love with, and then they may or may not stay diligent. But I never understand this idea of, oh, I don't want early commitments or I don't like early commitments. That means you are in front. You, you, you have a clear declaration of, at this moment, you were the choice. And that is good not only for you and that kid, but other guys that see OU get Spencer Rattler or see other, you know, OU get Isaiah Spiller, Trajan Bridges. You know, you think Trajan Bridges, who's having this great spring, a lot of people are really impressed with how he's looked at camps and other stuff. You think other kids don't notice that and think, man, he's going to Oklahoma. I'd like to go play with a dude like that. Like, that's, it's not rocket science. I think that, you know, the also the really good news for Oklahoma fans is the fact that. And I don't want to say for the first time in a while, but it just feels like with Riley in control and the way that he handles recruiting, you don't need to worry about a guy decommitting as much as maybe a couple years ago. That makes sense. Like I feel like he knows how to work, the, push the buttons to reel a kid back in as opposed to maybe in past years when they would just maybe even go in a different direction. I'll say this. I mean, maybe, maybe... If you want to take a look at anything, it would be like the Derek Green case where if a kid isn't really highly regarded, doesn't have a lot of offers, maybe you don't offer that kid so early. I don't know. It's You could go either way because clearly once Oklahoma offered, everybody else was like, well, what did we miss? Seems Georgia, like, Tennessee. yeah, And then it, it became clear like, this was a kid that's like, oh, look what these offers coming in. I didn't expect this. Maybe well, I need Derek, to really, you know, give this a, a harder look at, at where I want to go to school. We've talked about this for a while. This is the way recruiting works now. Look at, perfect example, the in-state for Oklahoma, Colin Clay and Trace Ford. They've got all kinds of offers from outside of the region. They do not have a gaggle from, like, Texas and TCU or, you know, like, Schools that are really big time in this area have not offered them yet. 
And it's because you can offer that guy, and he's probably not going to commit right now. Yeah. And you can say, oh, you know, we liked y'all along six months from now. But you don't have to push that hard right now, and you don't have to worry about, well, maybe he's going to commit and we end up we don't like him or we don't think he's a fit. We kind of like him now. We'll offer him, and then we'll see how things progress. And that's the same deal for Oklahoma in reverse. They get to go offer Derek Green, but they know if they offer Trace Ford, odds are Trace Ford wants to come to Oklahoma. Yeah. So you've got to be ready to take that commitment. It's the same deal for Georgia when they offer the kid from North Carolina. Elite kid from North Carolina, Georgia's going to have a really good chance at him. So I, I, I think that's it's the way that works where these coaches, when they make an offer to a guy that's local, they have to be sure we want to take this kid because, I mean, it, it, and it may not just be like that kid's not good enough. It may be in a case, a case like Colin Clay is a perfect example. With Colin Clay, you've got a guy that is probably good enough to play at Oklahoma, clearly has a lot of offers that are, you know, on that basically that level of Oklahoma, but they have a few guys they have a little higher on their board, so they're not offering him right now because, it, and it's like I said, it's not about him not being good enough. It's about maybe they have a few other guys that they want to make sure that they're not going to get before they go after Colin Clay. Well, they could be left, you know, out in the wind with Clay, and that's fine. That's the, that's the risk you play, but at the same time, you kind of have to weigh that. With Trace Ford, I think it's a flip thing. I think it's a situation where they're trying to see if he's willing and capable of playing outside linebacker in their system because he does not fit. Okay, so we've had some technical issues. Uh, I think we've talked enough about uh, Trace Ford and Colin Clay, um, even though it was kind of disjointed there. But, uh, I, I mean, the Marcus Major thing continues to develop. You see, you keep seeing him getting more and more offers. I. I don't know. Is is that is this an Oklahoma kid that's blown up more than maybe anybody in the last five years in the state, Josh? I don't this know. This early, this go, quickly? Yeah, probably this, especially this early, at this point in the game. Uh, it, you know, because it does remind you a little bit of Josh Jacobs when he went from his best offer was Wyoming to, okay, I have Alabama, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State yeah, in a matter true. of yeah. – like 24 hours, you know, it was something crazy. But this early on, you know, because at this point, schools can be choosy. At that point in the game, if you needed a running back, there weren't going to be many on Josh Jacobs' level, so we're going to offer him. At this point, there's a lot of guys to evaluate. You can see a lot of different stuff, and they like him. So, I mean, Marcus Major is a guy that, and like I said, I knew about him, uh, I guess, probably early in the season, but... It wasn't until I started doing the rankings for the 2018 class where I really sat down and watched his film. I mean, he's he's my number three guy in the state for a reason, and that and that was before he had more than a handful of offers. I think at that point, Arkansas was still his best offer. So he's a really good player, got great size, can really run. There is there's a lot to like. I think it's probably going to come down to Oklahoma and Arkansas for him, and it it sounds like he'll probably have a decision. Oh, I mean. If you told me he decided by OU spring game, I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. Really? That's, so you're talking that's like in the next next couple getting, weeks. Yeah, I, I I think that's that's a definite possibility. Oh, no. Now next a month. month. Yeah, month, I was yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're talking uh, six weeks, something like that. But I mean, it's I think it's definitely imminent. Uh, it, you know, depending on how strongly you want to use that word. Yeah. But it, it's coming. And I think, like I said, I think it's going to come to Oklahoma and Arkansas based on some of the people I've talked to. 
Arkansas was his early offer. I know that means a lot to him and his dad. On the flip side, I know that um, you know th- there is some attraction to Oklahoma. Obviously, all their running back history and getting to play, you know, in the state, that kind of thing. So that there, there's a lot going for both schools right now. So it'll it'll kind of be interesting. And it also, he could definitely be one of those guys who commits and then takes a look around. I mean, he's talented enough that he can. He can't play the game till next February, but he can play for a little while if he wants to. I don't know what – I have no idea what kind of run game Chad Morris has, to be honest with you. I mean, every time I've watched them, they're chunking the ball around. That's – I mean, they're, you know, they, that, that's got to be what OU talks to him about. They've, I mean, they've had quarterbacks that threw like 52 attempts a game at SMU last year, it seemed like. I mean, they've had some quarterback run game – but I can't remember like a running back like that. I don't know. They they had they had three backs last year that went over five hundred yards. Okay. One had a thousand. Um, but I mean, let's see. Okay, so they had. Let me look at their total stats here. They had. Um, yeah, pretty. Really, I'm surprised, Gary, because I was kind of with you. I had it in my head a little differently. They're pretty 50-50. Their passing game is okay. 37.5 attempts per game, 37.4 rushes per game. So, I mean, they're they're more even than I definitely expected. Interesting. Chad Morris even got him to a bowl game. I mean, my God. The guy's a great coach. Should have hired Mike Lee. And then to move to a program like... Like Arkansas with that storied history of college football success in the last 20 years? Uh, doesn't seem like you're being serious, Eddie. I just I never have understood like the fascination with Arkansas football. Well, if you're around here, you uh, show it respect because of Barry Switzer. Yeah. Uh, Pat Jones, who I know you love. Um, but they've never been good, have they? Or have they? Am I just talking out of my ass? They beat well, the I mean, pants off of Dean Blevins in Oklahoma back in the day, Lou Holt. I was going to say, Eddie, when you say never, do you mean in the last 25 years? Yeah, let's say my lifetime. They went the into, last 30 years. They went into Miami and beat him with uh, Duncan's own Quinn Grovey. So they oh, haven't done God. much he in, the last, couple, in the last 20 years. Quinn Grovey was a stud. Oklahoma kid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Duncan mm-hmm. kid. Look him up. Go YouTube Yeah, he was, he was a big deal, Eddie. Um, they don't have YouTube of that. I bet they do. do. They? <laughs> Who was what was the the fullback was for the Steelers? What was his name? Uh, I'm, we're getting a lot of people. Talking about Hillis? No, no, not Peyton Hill. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about Grovey. Uh, his oh, his I running you. back, fullback, Barry something. Uh, don't at me. I don't want to. I don't want to get. This is what I okay. hate about the podcast is when. When we do something and we like pull our trade, we're like, ah, what was his name? Like for the next week, I'm going to be getting just <laughs> tweets saying it was so and so. You should just say, oh, thanks. Nobody's told me that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be a dick and, and, and do that all the time to people, but it's like every time we ask a question, leave it open. I hate, I hate, I hate it. Like Are- I hate even fighting with people and then having to deal with it the next day on Twitter. That's why. I, Barely even have tweeted the last month. During my oh. lifetime, Arkansas has had four 10-win seasons the last 30 years. Carrie, I- I'm guessing that Eddie's currently looking at something similar to what I'm looking at. Do you want to guess the last time that Arkansas won a conference championship? I mean, they were in the Southwest Conference, I'm sure. Yep, yep. I'm going to say it was uh, 
89. Strong, 89. strong guess, though. 88, they won in 88 and 89, back-to-back years under Ken Hatfield. Ken Hatfield. Mm-hmm. They had, a, I think their quarterback before Grovey was named Thomas. I used to love watching Arkansas because they really ran triple option. I mean, you put a triple option game on TV, I was watching that son of a bitch. <laughs> and I remember oh. when OU destroyed them in the Orange Bowl. Just obliterated them. And, Eddie, as I know you're concerned, 1964 was Arkansas's lone national championship. Sure, and all, sure all the racists that live in Fayetteville were happy about that. Wow. You've got to go there. And they're the they're, selectors they're, they're, were they're the racists that live in Oklahoma. Man. Just particularly in 1964, though, I'm sure it was pretty heavy. It was everywhere it was pretty heavy. Correct. Texas, it was heavy. Correct. What was their first black player, like 71? At Texas? Yeah. Is that... No idea. That's one of those things that always blows me away when you compare Prentice Gott to that. Was that 15 years? 56 to... Yeah, I mean, Prentice Gott was, what, 56, and then Texas was, like, almost How does that happen? Julius Whittier, 1969. Okay, 69. 13, okay. So, see, don't add us. Texas fans. No, they played after the year. He played after the year uh, that they won. Texas won the national championship in 69. This is saying that he joined the team in December. On this, well, it was kind of like, in, in the, you know, the whole thing, I remember watching that deal on Bear Bryant, and, like, the only reason he started allowing black payer, players on Alabama's teams because they went and played USC and got their tails kicked because they had a bunch of black players. He's like, well, we got to have black players now. Or we're just not going to so win. Put, just so put out about having to do it. Well, that's that's my favorite thing because it always goes back to that USC-Alabama game. And, like, Bear Bryant was some magnanimous person because, like, he used that game to show everybody in Alabama that we got to recruit black players. Yeah, like, he wanted to do it before. Yeah. It just happened. so happened that the, it woke everybody else up that they needed to do it. Yeah. Like, no, they wanted to <laughs> win. Like it was this great thing. They did it. They only accepted it because they couldn't win a national championship without black players. Yes. That does not make him a good man or them good people. It just makes them crazy football people. Just means they're willing to do It just means more. Yep. It just means willing more. to do whatever possible. Okay. I think for the record, 1970 was the first year. 1969 was the uh, last all-white team at Texas. Okay. And by the way, don't celebrate that. Yeah, that that's not That a, would be a bad halftime celebration. We want to welcome back the last all-white team at the University of Texas in 1969. Well, that's... Uh, don't do mind the sheets they're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> they're good people. I think Eddie, you might have retweeted or somebody retweeted where it was a guy that had written into one of the local papers. I, I don't know. If, I don't think it was Oklahoma. I want to say it might even have been the Statesman, where they were, and the the guy had written in a letter like, "Well, we're not having a very good season, but you know, since we're going to lose anyways, can't we play some of our white guys?" You know, and you're like, "Oh my yeah, god!" Yeah, I, I, I do remember seeing I think Brian, that. Uh, it was something. It was something kind of like that. And it was just crazy. It's like it's yeah. like a letter. To, it was a letter. It was an email to a writer. Yep. 
Yeah, uh, that's exactly what it was. Can't remember yep. if it was Kirk. Basically, blaming all the black players. Yeah, for, yeah, you know, just, just blatant racism. Yeah. yeah. Good, good times. Gosh, people. Eventually, they're all going to die off, and we can all rejoice. That's something I do wonder about, though, Ed. Like, you and I are vaguely of the same generation. Like, I, I it feels different because I have two kids and you don't. But we're we're somewhat in the same sphere. What are we going to embarrass our kids about? Like, there's got to be something that we're just stupidly blind to. Uh, like, what what what's our, you know, like cause every generation has that thing, like that they're just weird about. You kids and your music, you just don't know what it was like when Drake would drop a mixtape. <laughs> Get it on Twitter. I don't know. I. It'll probably be something stupid. I can already tell that. That's oh, like the last couple. Oh, it'll be. It'll. I know totally what it's gonna be for Eddie. He's going to be a uh, misogynistic uh, Grandpa Eddie. I don't know about misogynistic. You, you're going to you're gonna slap the daughter-in-law on the ass or something, Eddie? Is yes. that how that's going to work? Yes. Yeah. Hey, you know, if you want to bang your daughter-in-law, <laughs> I think you should. Uh, it'll just be, yeah, it'll just be really inappropriate. Grandpa, tell us about the time you got fired from the internet. <laughs> well, Sonny. Does about time Twitter banned you? Twitter ban. Never. Tell us about the time that all the Suter fans rose up and demanded that you get fired. I don't know why I'm How many times like has that happened, lady. Eddie, already? Two or three? Once, seriously. Once for sure. Yeah, yeah. one real, real attempt at Eddie. Then there was some follow up bitching. From time to time, yeah, and everybody. But that still was more singular. Me. I, I, I'd say there's one good time where people were like, "Yeah, we demand you do something." Eddie's got more in him. I know he does. There's already a subject today that I'm, I'm proud of him for not bringing up. That doesn't oh, mean I'm oh, calling for it. That, Have you that, renounced? That, let me just ask you this without any other details. Have you renounced Natty Light? No. Oh. You haven't. No, not at all. So you're still... I'm an equal opportunity person. I don't... It doesn't bother me. Okay. That's good. You're growing. Either that or you really like Natty Light. Uh, I think it's both. And it's just... It's hard to see people from this ivory tower that I'm on. <laughs> it's hard to look down at people. <laughs> I do think that, I mean, I, I got, you deserve more than swag. For I got the, other things to do. For the things that you've done for Natty Light, I always felt like you deserved more than just swag. No. I'd, Free swag. Because really it was, basically, I think the funny thing is, is like it was just a bit. It wasn't anything serious. It's a good bit. Just a I, bit. I'd say, say, Eddie, I... I I think it's more that most people wouldn't have a been able to come up with it and b continued it as well as you did. Yeah, that's what. That's why I, I really they don't owe me anything. And I, and to be I honest, think that they should sponsor the podcast. Is what I think. Uh, we could do that too. So I'll refrain from what I was getting ready to say. And <laughs> that I really didn't drink a whole lot of Natty Light. I'll drink a Natty Light. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not above it. 
What was your main beer that you drank in college? Uh, Natty Light, definitely in college. Uh -huh. Nowadays, I'll drink a Natty Light, but it would have to be like walking on the, through a on park the course or something. Yeah, or like walking. I'm not. I'm not going in and buying a bunch of Natty Light on a weekend. What are you getting? Usually Coors Light. Okay. Okay, you're not a snob about it then. It's not. It's not a Natty Light's beneath me thing. No, I just. I enjoy drinking Coors Light more, probably. I like Coors Light. I like Coors Light a hell of a lot more than Bud Light. Yeah, it's really weird. I'll drink Bud Light outside of the state of Oklahoma. I think it has something to do with the 3.2. Yeah. It, it tastes distinctly different. I, I won't drink Miller that. Light in Oklahoma. I think it tastes like water. I think it tastes awful. Not water, not water but I it, think it's watered down. It tastes, yeah. I, like Coors Light, to me, has a more clear you know, like clean taste. The mountains are blue. The mountains are always blue. Bud Light to me just makes me bloated. Yeah. And you know, I'm not even I guess this is kind of beer snobby, but if I'm going out to eat or something like that, I'll usually drink an IPA or some type of like not homebrew. I love the German beers at uh what's the place? Midtown. Urban Johnny's? No, that's not Midtown. That's Double Deuce or do the Deuce. Double Deuce, and <laughs> that the name of the bar and <laughs> in that, uh, that is the name of Roadhouse. Roadhouse that's exactly bar. what it is. Deep Deuce is what I meant. Is where Urban Johnny is. Kind of want them to change their name now, though. So, um, uh, Fastler is what I'm thinking of. Oh, I got you. Oh, yeah. I got friends that tell me that's that's a that's a good place. The beer there is fantastic. I I want to say to anybody who sees me in a public place, if I have any of the beers we're discussing in my hand, knock no it out. light, Coors Light, Natty Light, I I am on one, and I am. I go talk to me because I'm surely going to have something colorful to say <laughs> because I don't drink those for anything other than just getting hammered. pure unfiltered drunkenness. So that's uh yeah you you're usually drinking liquor though right yeah I, I drink a lot of whiskey like I'll sit there because I can just sit there and work on whiskey and enjoy it and it's fine and don't not to say that I haven't had plenty of good evenings on whiskey as well but whiskey like I, I kind of take my time with it beer like. If if they had a beer bong in the restaurant and I had to drink Coors Light, I'd just beer bong them. Like I, that, I'm that man in my mid thirties that would still hard. rather drink those kind of beers that way. That's pretty hondo of you. I, I don't want to hold them. I don't have any interest in that. I just want the alcohol in my system. So yeah, if uh, I'm just out drinking beer with the boys or something, I mean, I'm I'm a Shiner guy. I'm a Amstel guy. I'm a you know. I don't really like Heineken that much, but I'll drink it. Shiner's good. I'll drink Shiner. I like uh, the uh, Modellos. I'll take either light or dark. It is, I don't know, um, it always makes me nervous to order a Negra Modelo. You don't want to say the wrong word? Well, yeah, it's too close. Just drunk and just... Yeah. I, mean, I don't think that I would, but it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, it's too close. Right. It's like the Negro Leagues. Like, I'm still surprised that there's not like a movement to change that. It's like, well, you can't even say that anymore. That that is probably going to be my uh, my old man thing that I hate about millennials is just how much like can't say him or her now. You got to say like a person. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's that, that, 
that's what probably what it is, Josh. By the way, I did see this on the board the other day. That has to be the teacher champion of all champions. That 26-year-old woman that got caught banging the 14-year-old. Oh, yeah. She's a predator, but what a That's lucky 14-year-old. That's the hottest. And did you see some of the comments? Like, every story that anyone would write, like, they would all blame the 14-year-old for screwing it up. <laughs> And it is a serious subject, but my God. No, it is funny. Like, how? I mean, like, one, like, you're right. Can you imagine being in the eighth grade having a teacher that hot teaching you, you know, bringing you into manhood? Yeah, I did. I wish it would have <laughs> happened to me. But you know, I thought you were saying you had a no, no, a teacher I had, bring I had you hot, into manhood. No, we, we had a, as an eighth grade. I had a hot teacher in eighth grade. We had a really hot Spanish teacher. Uh, but I was in high school. But the thing about it is, is like, how mentally unstable is that chick? Oh, very. She's a predator. Like, if it's the other oh, way she around. She was already married to like a fireman and everything, and her yeah. dad was a very successful lawyer. Really? Yeah. Jesus. I. It's kind of like that story that, I mean, all teacher-student relationships, it's funny from a guy's side. But if it's the other way around, it's like, oh, so yeah, like yeah. this guy's We a, wouldn't even be talking about right, it. Right, so right. You, you, yeah, you. But shame. the bottom, I mean, bottom line is, she's a predator, preying on kids like that. Yeah. But, but I want, but I also want to see the fourteen-year-old. Is he like, is he that kid that we all had that like has a mustache in eighth grade? Oh, he has to be held back. Like everybody has one of those kids in their class. It's like he's he's definitely a held back kid. He works on the car and it's like off time. Yes, exactly. Like he's <laughs> he's got a side business installing car stereos. Exactly. And stealing car stereos. <laughs> I really want to see this 14-year-old kid. Why are these and, and Eddie, you you know, I know you read Barstool far more than even I do. They track it. Almost oh, yeah. all of these women are hot. Like these are yeah. very attractive women. What the hell is it? But some of them, like, like some of them, they're, they, you know, they, they're, they might be a little bit of butterfaces. Uh, this chick but, is just a smoke show. Yeah. Jerry yeah. Thornton does a great uh, review of teacher, uh, teacher student sex stories or scandals. All female teacher, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, usually. Well, I mean, Carrie, like, and you can say like butterfaces or whatever. These are not women that have trouble finding a date. No, no. Like, like what? However, like you want to rate them as a six and a half or a seven or a ten or whatever. These are pretty women that could find a date any night of the week they wanted one. Um, no, it does. I mean, every with, time with one a of these consenting adult. <laughs> one of these every time one of these stories come up, I'm like, man, why didn't I ever find a mentally unstable chick that hot that would have <laughs> sex with me? Yeah, just a mentally, just start hanging around. <laughs> this is what you need to do. You need to start just hanging around elementary schools. Yeah, no, I'm not here for the kids, officer. I'm here for the teachers. <laughs> I'm just who's who's the craziest bitch here? <laughs> uh, Miss Harris, second grade teacher. Hey, do you have? Uh, um, let me ask you: Are there any rumors of teachers sleeping with kids? Because <laughs> oh, I want to. I'd like to meet her. Yeah. <laughs> that's the next step in. Uh, that's <laughs> the next, next. That's the next Tinder. App. Yeah, next app. <laughs> Unstable I'm teachers. Gonna, I'm gonna go home and get on top of that. Maybe we could debut it at uh, the spring game. In about a month. That's the th and that's the thing about this. Like, there's never enough reporting. Like, we want to know more about this chick for future generations. 
you know, for future people that want to meet right. unstable hot chicks. Right. Like, was she on Tinder? Was she on Friendster? You know, what, what she's she, on something. I, I she probably, she, well, she probably she had an drugs. Insta account. Was she, or did she? I believe so. Gosh, people these days. Stephanie Preston or something like that. Stephanie something. Twenty six, super hot, married, banging a fourteen year old. Ugh. Anyway, so uh, I I don't know. I guess I'm stuck. I guess we have not really a whole lot going on until spring football starts. So no, it baseball is it's, underway. It's going to be getting going though. Uh, as far as spring football, I can't believe that they start practice in nine days. So it will be. Uh, I feel like our new thing should be sign up, sign up. Yeah. Instead of swipe up, swipe up, sign swipe up, up and sign, sign up. up. I don't care what you do, just be involved. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I spring football will be interesting just for the fact that there are a lot of pieces that need to be replaced. There are a lot of question marks. Or am I just building that up into something that it really isn't? No, I mean I I'm I'm just trying to think of and I haven't even really thought. I mean this this next week is really we're going to go into kind of planning stages on everything, but I mean, my God, it's it's going to be interesting talking to Mike Stoops during spring football. Yeah. Because I be think... The, it'll be the first time that technically we've talked to him since... In a, in a football capacity outside of signing day. Since the press conference. Right. Yeah. Guys, going into next year, I think it... I mean, we can all agree that next year feels like a a big one for him one way or another, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Is it enough to just be better, or does it need to be a no, I don't good? It might be like, but I mean, a respectable defense. You need to be, a, or is it just enough I'm to be say better this. than they were? You need to be a top fifty defense minimum. Okay, and you can I, even you can even move that into a top thirty. I think. But I mean, I mean it, the personnel. I mean, it hasn't changed that much, though. I mean, that's that's what's scary. I mean, you, you're going to have to get... And people talk about moving around Kenneth Murray. I don't think you can afford to move around Kenneth Murray. I mean, I don't think Deshaun White's going to come in here and immediately be your starting middle linebacker. Nope. Can... And this is a big if. Can John Michael Terry, healthy for a full year, move into something? See, and people got into... Like, there was an argument on that about the board, about whether he was healthy coming out of spring. Right Look... He was he was banged up. Levi Draper was the one that was really hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but John Michael Terry was banged. He was banged up at the end of fall camp. But he was in a good enough position and healthy long enough during the season once it started that he could have still won that job if he were that much better than Kenneth Murray. He's just not as athletic and dynamic and explosive as Kenneth Murray is. Now, God, we've talked about this so much, it seems. He's got to be in the right place more often. Right. I mean, that's the thing. I think that you will see a jump, though, just as far like the experience is for what it was, what it was last year. You have to grow from that. I mean, as much as they talk about Murray being a film rat and just, you know, trying to improve every day. 
you would think that he will make some type of jump from the experience that he had last year. You would you would hope. I mean, it, he has to. If he as doesn't, as much time as he spends in the film room, he has to. Right. Yeah. If he doesn't, you need to move quickly in another direction because even though John Michael Terry might not be as explosive and this and that. You can't have a guy being out of position all the time. I mean, to me, that's the number one thing that Mike has to get figured out. Can he go forward with Kenneth Murray as his middle line? And can, they, can he make them better on defense? And I think we all believe, like, the defensive end stuff, the pass rusher stuff is going to have to be by committee until mm-hmm. you figure that out. Yeah, because there's no guy that you buy in and say, okay, that's... That's a eight, nine, ten sack guy right now. Are they are they more talented though than they've been in years at that at those positions though? I mean, with the talent influx that they've had in the last two recruiting classes, they're better than where they have been, haven't they? Or aren't they? I think that's or is that for just sure. yeah, or is that just me believing in the hype of some of these guys coming in? No, I. They're better, but do they have more people ready to play than they did a year ago? I think that's yeah. a, a, a good question. Like, I know there's some people inside that program that question whether Neville Gallimore has what it takes to become a great player at Oklahoma, or I, even a steady player at Oklahoma. I, we hit it on in, on in the round table in that first round table. I think it's a very valid question with the way they played I think last year. Last year, Neville Gallimore he really hurt himself in the eyes of the coaching staff, his teammates, because there really wasn't anything all that wrong with him that would prevent him from playing. It was, it was the kid. He got benched basically. I mean, which is bizarre to me because I would think like that would be Ruffin McNeil's specialty is, you know, working with, I mean, it might be that Tyrese Lott, becomes the best defensive tackle they have next year. Marquise Overton's good. He's not great. He's serviceable. They could use another Marquise Overton, to be honest with you. Yeah, if they could figure out a way to clone him and have two of them, it wouldn't be bad. You know, Addison Gums, how far, Mark Jackson, how far are those guys going to come? One of those guys really needs to step up and and be a, a difference maker as a pass rusher. What about a guy like a Jakari Daly? Yeah, never I mean, he, heard there's his so name. much. I asked Mike about him that one time because he put out that that picture of how much bigger he'd gotten, mm-hmm. and he didn't really. I don't know if he was just in a mood or what. Yeah. He was like, "Well, you don't get better in a weight room." <laughs> I was just wanting a compliment, like, "Hey, talk about how you know how hard this kid's working. He looks great in the picture he put out." And he just said, "Football ain't played in a weight room." Serious. I, I'm just going to not go down that road. How many times on signing day do we hear coaches say, well, we got to get him in the weight room and get bigger and stronger and you know let him develop a little bit? Like, you absolutely get better in the weight room. I mean, to me, I know it, it led, saying, it led me to believe, like, okay, he's not his practice habits aren't real good, must not be. Yeah. Yep. That always kind of goes of back to Of course, into- if you're red-shirting, I mean, that to me is a crapshoot. I mean, it's hard for a kid to practice well sometimes. I mean, look at Oboe. I, Early in his career, yeah. he was a shitty practice player. And that's why I've kind Didn't of give always... give any effort. I think that if there was a change that would have been made, sometimes it's good just in the fact that I think that sometimes we put way too much into 
what they see at practice and you just need to let them go out and now yeah, it's a double-edged sword sometimes guys are going to go out in the field and they're going to flop and it's going to be a terrible terrible look but sometimes you just need to put the kid out there and let him do it you know what's funny is i mean i just mentioned oboe about how much of a discipline problem he was early in his career i remember somebody coming to me one time and saying that kid is never going to play he cannot line up like he doesn't know where to when when they call a play he has no clue what he's supposed to be doing which is just shocking i mean there's like but what i'm saying is he was in such a bad place and it's pretty clear he almost quit at one point just gave up but there was not a bigger supporter of Mike Stoops on that team than Oboe. You always believed in him, kind of. Right? Which is, I mean, it's kind of counter to everything. Like, I think of Mike as a guy that's running people off. Right. But Oboe's the kind of guy that, like, I, there is that old school way, and that's the big thing. It's like, are you old school so you can weed out the people that are never going to hack it? Because I think that's how Mike coaches. Like, He's trying to see if he can break you. If he can break you, you're no good to the team. There's that approach. Or is there a new school approach, which I would assume Ruffin used with a guy like Devontae Lampkin, which is you baby, you, you motivate him and you baby out a performance. That's what I was going to say, too, about Ruffin McNeil. I mean, if he can get through to Devonta Lampkin... I think there's hope How for Neville Gallimore. How can he not get through to Neville? Yeah. Although Devontae Lampkin was just, he's, he had a lot of pure talent. Yeah, he just, sometimes he made plays because he's huge. Of course, and, I think we believe Neville has a lot of pure talent. I mean, I was told he, he's more talented than anybody else on that team, on the defensive line. It was a rough year. I, what do you, it I mean, what was it? it? He had one sack. Or a half one and a half sacks. One and a half sacks. Yeah. Two and a half tackles for losses. I just it doesn't make that doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't yeah, but I mean the defense all. really is in their hands. No, it is and linebackers you know, and defensive line. And I think that in a way, <laughs> as crazy as it is, that's why like cornerback is that's a loaded position. They yeah. should not they should not not be good. Like it is an ultimate failure on a lot of people's parts if they are getting or just giving up play after play after play next year when i know josh brought this kind of to us but you know everything that we're hearing is that uh buki is starting out as a kind of a nickel safety guy which i think is great because i am i think i'm the biggest believer in parnell motley I don't know. Josh wasn't part of the roundtable. We talked about that. I just think that Parnell Motley can play. Yeah. He had two bad games last year, but he was still their biggest playmaker. I think you clearly have the best talent in your secondary at corner. I don't think there's even a question about it. So if you want to try some of those guys out at safety or nickel and get as many of those guys on the field as you can and mitigate some of your questions at safety and the depth at safety, that's a great decision. Am and, I crazy or – and I, I think there were questions about it when he was in high school, but then he, he, he kind of flipped a switch and turned it on uh, halfway through his senior year. But am I nuts in thinking because of his speed and his closing speed 
that Trey Brown couldn't be a great center field safety? I think the physical stuff is there. With Trey, I, I thought when he wasn't in man in high school, he got lost sometimes. Like he would just kind of float around into space. Yeah. And didn't look comfortable. Now that may just be a he didn't do it a lot. So you know that I don't want to say that he can't do it or whatever. It's it's just not there's not a lot of data on it. But um, but I you know he, with his but he was playing two set, ways too. So maybe they couldn't yeah. didn't have time to really do anything with him in the secondary. I mean, to me, he should be one of OU's two starting corners based on what I've seen so far. I mean, if you're gonna put and that, and I guess I should preface that with. If you're going to say Radley Hiles is going to play a nickel or a safety, Brown would be one of my two starting corners. I I know that Norwood was steadier, but the chance for being an elite player to me with Trey Brown is far more existent than it is with Trey Norwood. I'd go with Jordan Parker. And Parker you know I love Parker. That that's that's been one of my guys. So I mean, I the thing about that. the thing about Parker is he didn't have an Achilles injury; he had a knee injury, which is good. You had that Achilles for a corner. That's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I think if your best lineup, I, I what they're doing with Radley Hiles, I think is perfect because he is physical. Uh, he's a playmaker, and then I think Parnell Motley and Jordan Parker are good enough. If you wanted to fix your safety problem, and we don't know if Robert Barnes is going to be that guy or not, I think you could fix it with Trey Brown. As a free safety, I think he'd be good there. I would think a lot of this is going to happen during the spring. Like they're going to play around with these ideas, right? Yeah, I mean that's something we'll talk to Mike and hopefully Kerry Cooks about. I think you'd almost have to. But I mean, Lincoln kind of went through that on signing day mm-hmm. about who could play where. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what's interesting to me because I know with Robert and his big size and his length and how you know he he could be a guy that plays at two twenty. I mean he. Robert's a big, big kid. Um, I, I think people kind of assume him as a strong safety. When I saw him, I always thought he was better as a free. I thought he looked better playing kind of a center field role. So it would be interesting to see if they would want to move him into a strong role and then let a guy like Trey get a shot at free or just say, Trey, we want you to try strong. You know, like whatever that would be. And, you know, maybe they just feel differently than I do anyway and feel Robert's more naturally attuned at strong. But I, it's just there is they have they have problems in the secondary, but they have some talent for a change you to maybe have, address yeah. some of it. You still have Khalil Houghton, who's played a lot of games. Yeah, yep. you got Robert Barnes, Chance Sylvie. I think Chance, Chance Sylvie can be a decent football player. I really do. Um, I don't think he's a star, but if you told me he could be on Will Johnson's level, I, I don't. I wouldn't argue that at all. I think that's completely possible. Problem is, if you lose. Either you're starting free or strong, you're screwed. Yes. Because whoever it is is going to be young and fairly inexperienced and or fairly inexperienced. There'll be somebody that emerges in the spring that we've never talked about. Not even a walk on, um, what's a one kid? They were kind of flipping back and forth to linebacker and safety. Oh, Oh, Ryan Ryan Jones. Jones. Yeah, Ryan Jones. I mean, he could be one of those names that just pops up where they're like, oh, Ryan Jones is having a great spring. That always happens. Oh yep. man, the, the spring championship! I love it. There's always there's always a handful of guys, and then well, they'll be talked about all summer. There's already lots of talk. It's seven on seven. X had a nice catch, and he's oh, having a great yeah. blah blah blah. And 
it's some guy that you know for the 12th straight year we'll never hear from again so the seven on seven stuff is the worst seven on seven is the worst i think that's just the flat out remember i mean the according to seven on seven one year and some of the like fan reporters like trevor knight was the dominant you know i think it it, it got all the way to like but like baker right. was like third like baker was like so terrible and all the seven like and then fall camp came around. I was like, "Oh, Baker's not going to win." And the entire time, everybody I talked to that actually watched practice was like, "Oh yeah, Baker's a lot better than everybody." Well, guys, you the problem with seven on seven that I think fans forget when they get some of these reports, they're probably coming from players who are going to have like, "That's my boy. That's my buddy. Oh, That's yeah. me." Like they they forget that there's going to be an inherent bias in exactly what they're saying. And the people that are giving the information have no say in who actually plays. And so exactly. I, I think it, it people get the uh, – because, God, guys, how many years in a row is P.J. and Bonasaur ready to break out? And Every, who, where do you think the information was coming from? <laughs> P.J. and, and We know exactly where yeah. that information was coming from. And – and every year, OU looked like a train wreck at corner, and he never even entered the conversation. Like, not even not even an option at corner. Yeah. Like, they were so bad that they were like, we're sticking with these guys because we have nobody yeah. else. Yeah, they would not play him. I mean, I just told you how far off he was. Oh, I mean, I know you guys heard the same stuff. Like, you would, you would read that stuff, and then I would talk to people that was, it was almost like, if if he just relinquished his scholarship, everybody'd be a lot happier. Yeah. He him included. Yeah, no. You, you, know, you like, talk to people, they'd be like, "Look, he couldn't even play safety for us. Like yeah. that's how bad he was a, as a corner." Yeah. Where did he end up? He just surfaced somewhere. Or no, they were just using his picture. Yeah. In a recruit uh, thing. Was it Louisville? No, it was Louisville. I think Jeez. that's right. I guess he'll be eligible this year. He is the current. I mean, he's the recent look like Tarzan, play like Jane. Yeah. Example. Because he looked like Brian Jackson physically. That's yeah. who he always reminded me of. Like, just a big, good looking dude. But unlike Brian Jackson, he couldn't play. All right, fellas. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Unofficial 40. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Combine stuff, all that. Dimitri Flowers. Sooners had six players in the combine the only team in the big 12 that didn't have a player in the combine do you know who it was only I team do. that doesn't have a from the big 12 I yeah take in the it. big 12 that doesn't have a player in the combine i'm leaving it for you eddie baylor baylor is right iowa state had alan lazard i was I, that, they they were i knew it was going to be something weird and then i just figured baylor didn't have anybody that Two teams had one. Them. Iowa State, and who was the other one? At Kansas, Perry? they had uh, the Anderson, the, or yeah. the, the linebacker. The linebacker. Yeah. yeah. That's that's not good. But I think he was hurt late in the year, wasn't he? Didn't he get hurt late in the year? I don't remember. Or was it the other guy? I really don't remember. And then Tech, I think, had three. They had Kiki Kuti, uh, Shimanek, and somebody else. Was it surprising that Orlando Brown weighed so much? What did he weigh? 345. He was six eight three forty five. I don't have a problem with that. That's a that's not Is bad. That, what did he play? I mean, was he three forty five at Oklahoma? Yeah, I think he was. was. He in that ballpark. 
But he's he's just six foot eight, so he doesn't look three hundred and forty. And like he pounds. was right. six seven five eight or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like he's legit six eight. Yeah, he's. I mean, he is a huge guy. His his wingspan was like seven and a half feet. Yeah, people were like, that can't be right. <laughs> they, I think Charles Robinson had to go back and double check with the NFL. Yeah, to make because sure people right. were like, that's numbers not right. Yeah, his wingspan is like a seven foot person. Yeah, well, they were saying he's the same height as LeBron and has like three inches more of like arm length. By the way, Baker uh, did an article on the Players Tribune. I don't know if you guys had a chance to read that. I did read it. Um, it was kind of what you would expect. I mean, it was very polished. Mm-hmm. Um, Baker, I mean, does well in public settings when he's not running from cops. <laughs> Biggest. Uh, but it did address the arrest in Arkansas and all that. I've checked that out this afternoon. How many more times does he have to address that? Well, it's because that's all he's going to get asked about that every day. I'm, it's just, but like, it's all, I mean, A, I, I guess for the NFL teams, I get it. Like, they want to hear him answer it and how he answers it and what and he see says. See what he, yeah, how genuine he is when he but talks like, about it. The media, he's addressed this. Like, it, it's not something he's run from. Uh, it oh, goes, wow, wow, bad choice of words. I will but just, still funny. <laughs> it, it goes back into everything that. You know, we we know because we're around it so much is that ESPN portrayed this like villain that had all of these missteps off of the field, and it just it's not the case. Yeah, it was like the incidents, the, the, the Baker, incidents. the incidents, like wearing wearing a shirt. shirt. To, yeah. Oh my god, that still triggers the me. traitor shirt. Like he should find somebody from ESPN and fight him. He's a college guy being a college guy. Like that—that's the most of his offenses. Like the running from the police, stupid, bad. Like I'm not trying to justify any of it. It's not some huge thing. Like it's not something unheard of. It's not something terribly untoward. Like I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. The the flag plant got planted as a terrible thing. How was that terrible? Uh, we because uh, Kirk Herb Street and Joey Galloway are at ESPN. Yeah. Yeah, I, we, miss, we, I, I was going to get into the whole thing. We've done it 20 times. I'm not going to do it again. Joey. wonder what he's up to this summer. Not watching teams. Yeah, that not studying film. Yeah, not doing his job. I'm sure of that. By the way, I was surprised that uh, Marcel Aitman had such tiny hands. He's like, really? Like, I didn't see that. It was like a nine. Really? For a guy that... It's probably the mm-hmm. best jump ball receiver I've seen in years. And it's, it's a he's gargantuan sure like He's yeah. not like a like a leaper. He's six five. He's a big, big guy. I did I, I stopped keeping up with it. I didn't even see what uh Mason Rudolph measured at. But Baker's like his height was more than <laughs> at the senior bowl. <laughs> and his hands had shrunken. Yep. He went to like down to nine and a quarter on hands from nine and a half. Is there like stuff yeah. you can do to like stretch your body out to the hands? I've read they do like massage therapy stuff that's supposed to to extend your reach of your hand, like from finger to thumb or from pointer to thumb. They say or, people get yoga yeah, or get to, uh, go to chiropractors, mm-hmm. and that'll make them taller for a little bit. I just, I know it's not. You're not supposed to say this during combine season, but I just think all that is so stupid. I got no problem with that. If as if, a combine guy, 
If I'm spending millions on a guy, though, you want to know everything. Yeah, they're pieces of meat, man. I know, especially at quarterback, man, because the, your GM, your head coach, you draft a you top lose 10 a job over your that. Future, yeah, it's connected to him. Yeah. So yeah, that's I want every question I can have answered answered. I mean, let's face it, Eddie. If we if you were coming into the company today, I don't know if you'd make the cut. Knowing what we measure know my, now, measure all my sizes. Yeah. <laughs> You're a little bit bigger, a little bit rounder. You're not really camera friendly like you used we, to be. We would definitely be doing the uh, the Twitter. Um, the, the you Twitter fail the Twitter check. background check. <laughs> I think he just drinks Natty Light all the time. I don't know. Like I don't know that he actually works. He just gets drunk on Natty Light. I think so. Come for both of you, some bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, breaking news. Uh, Chris Woods officially named Texas State DC. I was wondering. Oh, about really? That. Yeah, That's good. Good for Football him. Football Scoop put that out like a month ago, and I just this past weekend. Yeah, was I remember looking you bringing it, it to our like, attention. I wonder if this is still happening because he tweeted something like from an OU perspective. I was like, hmm, maybe weird. he's back. But no, it's it's official. Regents meetings are coming up pretty soon too, so we'll see if we have any any new updated. I know everyone's out there just waiting to see if Mike Stoops is getting a raise. You said that, and Oklahoma literally just tweeted, the OU Board of Regents will meet on Monday to hear a report from the Presidential Search Committee. We'll check the agenda. That probably won't be up yet, will it? It'll be on that Friday, I think it's going to be a 48-hour notice or something. So I, w- I wonder if they, di- if they did that on purpose on Monday so they wouldn't have to put out an uh, agenda. But you have to, yeah. Kind of state yeah. law, yeah. Maybe not something will be out on maybe not tomorrow. In the state. I'm sure they'll figure out a way to go. So yeah, it. it might just be mostly about the presidential search, kind of like Arizona's regents are meeting today. Yeah, Sean Miller has come out and basically said that ESPN is lying, and ESPN has come out and said that we stand by Mark Schleybach. So kind of interesting. Gonna be interesting. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Unofficial 40. We'll be back uh, next week as we get ready for the start of spring practices. Uh, obviously, the Combine will have taken place by then, so we'll uh, get to be able to, we'll be able to talk about how some of the guys performed. Big 12 basketball tournament preview. We'll spend an hour and a half on that, talking about Trey Young leading the team to championship in Kansas City and the NCAA tournament. You can tell, what everybody, you can tell everybody what I told you and Bob during the Baylor game. <laughs> I think it was something along the lines of, we will not be spending money to cover this team during the postseason. He said, I will not spend a penny to cover this team <laughs> during the postseason. Just having the guys watch the television feels like it may be a waste of resources. I No, you're exactly... I felt that same way. Like, why am I doing this? Is we, there an episode of Chopped On I can watch? We will be we will be ramping up, though. Uh, Maybe Beat Bobby Flay. If Beat Bobby Flay had been on that night, that's what I would have been watching. I. It has been a long time since I just absolutely disconnected from an OU basketball game. Midway through the second half, I was Eddie, like, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. If they are down by double digits in the in the second half against Iowa State Friday, can I just go to the baseball? You game? have my permission to just get up and walk out as as play is is, is in. <laughs> I'll keep the camera on so you know that. Yeah, just make that your scoop HD. Just and just get your stuff. Keep the camera on. Walk down the hallway. Get in your car. I'll just go. I'll 
I'll go uh, turn on your radio I'll if you go want. Drink with the uh, the yard birds out in right field at the baseball game. Eddie, point your camera to wherever you're going to exit to, and just have Nate like pick up the camera on the way out, and that way we actually have Scoop HD of you just rolling out of the arena. I'll put it this way: the there the the Oklahoma fans aren't the only people that are put out with disgusted and disgusted with the effort that it, that we have seen over the last month. Yeah, no, but you seriously, you have my permission to leave if you want. I might do that. I might do that just anyways, even if they win. I'll tell Bob the same thing. Sounds good. All right, that's going to do it for this edition. I, I keep saying that, but this really will do it for this edition of the Unofficial 40. Thanks to Josh McQuistian. Thanks to Eddie Radosevich. I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys next week back here on the Unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.